Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. With five weeks of the NFL season in the books, this episode will go through our rest-of-season rankings for each position. We have an article every Wednesday on wolfsports.com with our updated rest-of-season rankings. So this episode is basically a sneak peek, although I'm not going to go too deep with the rankings being for Fantasy Consigliere members. It should still provide some valuable insights for the rest of the year. At quarterback, the top two remains the same from our redraft rankings before the year with Josh Allen and Jalen Hurst at number one and number two. Then right behind them, Lamar Jackson, who has a strong case to be in that no doubt IN QB1 tier. So obviously, if you drafted one of them, you're in great shape. But at numbers four through six, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Tom Brady, all players with massive passing upside, then I'd say there's definitely a tier break for the rest of the quarterbacks. There's actually not much that's changed from our redraft rankings for the quarterbacks. The top candidate to maybe crack that top six would be Kyler Murray. When he gets DeAndre Hopkins back, the passing attack will have a lot of ammunition with him and Marquise Brown with all the complimentary pieces. But I'd feel really good at quarterback for the rest of the season. If you have Allen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, or Brady. For the second half, other than Murray of the QB1 ranks. The slanted passing numbers haven't been there for Joe Burrow to crack the top five. And if you really want to look far ahead for the fantasy championship, if you play in week 16 and week 17, the Bengals face the Patriots and Bills. So that's something to keep in mind for those maybe in a good spot and looking ahead. Derek Carr, similar to our redraft rankings before the season, remains in the top 10. The Raiders have a bye this week, but him and Devontae Adams had a big game last night versus the Chiefs, and hopefully Adams avoids suspension for that shove, and I'd be optimistic about Las Vegas continuing to improve offensively, especially with Josh Jacobs providing balance based on how he's run to begin the year. At number 10 through number 12, we have Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, and Russell Wilson. For Rodgers, Green Bay definitely needs more balance than they had in London. Passing too much cost them the game, and getting the running game going would eventually open up more downfield opportunities. But Rodgers loves throwing the ball in the red zone, and some bigger performances should be happening as he continues to develop chemistry with this new-look group of wideouts. At QB11, Kirk Cousins, he's the current QB12 on the year. I don't see him moving much in the rest of season rankings. You're probably not going to get high-end QB1 production, but we'll see if the touchdown luck increases starting this week in Miami. So far, Cousins has just two games with multiple touchdowns, and he's yet to throw for 300 or more passing yards. And then rounding out the QB1 options, the top 12, is Russell Wilson, who has definitely struggled to begin his Denver career. If he doesn't become more of a runner, which might not happen with him wanting to win from the pocket, it could be a long year for those waiting to see huge fantasy numbers from Wilson. We'll see if maybe getting rookie tight end Greg Dulcich back as early as this week will somehow be the missing key for the passing attack. And I'd also like to see KJ Hamler, who was very frustrated to end Thursday night's game, more involved. His field-stretching ability would open up the offense for Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy underneath, but based on what we've seen through five weeks, Wilson has to be downgraded to being a borderline QB1. Again, this is a premium article on wolfsports.com. 
at least every Wednesday. So I don't want to hit every player at every position. And I'll now jump around to a few guys. Number 15, Trevor Lawrence. I'm still anticipating more rushing production as the season progresses. Jacksonville is suddenly 2-3 and three following their loss to the Texans. So maybe Lawrence being used more as a runner will be something that sparks the offensive team. And they get a rematch against the Colts this week. Behind him at number 16 is Matthew Stafford. I'll hit on them more when we get to the wide receivers and also the running backs. But pass protection remains an issue. And unless Stafford can get on the same page with Allen Robinson, I don't see how he'll climb back into the QB1 ranks. So there are other players you can at least consider matching Stafford with if you want to stick with him. One of those players that comes in at number 18 would be Geno Smith. He's the QB6 through five games. And Seattle unexpectedly opening up the passing attack makes him someone that can definitely have sustained success throwing to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett with a collection of tight ends getting involved. Also, Rashad Penny's season-ending injury is obviously a blow to Seattle's offense, but Ken Walker might have a little more pass-catching upside, so Geno can definitely stay hot. It's not like he's going out there and getting empty numbers. He's delivered accurate passes all over the field and is playing with extreme confidence to hopefully stay hot this week in Arizona and beyond. And finally, jumping down to number 26, Justin Fields. I mentioned selling him in Dynasty Leagues, if possible, a couple of weeks ago. And I'd again repeat that recommendation. Thursday night against the Commanders will be a primetime opportunity for him to shine. But coming out and struggling would really ding his fantasy stock in Dynasty Leagues. And the quarterback class in 2023 continues to look strong. So I could see Ryan Poles and the new regime moving on from Fields. And it's certainly possible there are no seats left for Fields when the quarterback carousel stops in 2023. So I'd at least be looking into what his value will be if put on the trade block. Moving on to the running backs, the order of the top five can be debated, but we have Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, and Christian McCaffrey in that order. Henry has unsurprisingly rebounded from a slower start. He's gone for 22 plus fantasy points in each of the past three games. And as the weather gets colder, there probably won't be a guy you'd like to own more. So Henry, who was our RB2 in the redraft rankings before the year, jumps up to the top spot. Behind him, the current RB1 in Chubb. I remember we caught some slack for saying his third round value by big media sites like ESPN was a joke. People seem to agree with ESPN's ranking, but we had him as the overall RB5 in half PPR leagues. And he's done more than meet those expectations with at least 113 total yards in every game this season. When Deshaun Watson is eventually the starting quarterback for Cleveland, Chubb's upside should get even higher. So hopefully you were able to snag him in the first or second round of your fantasy draft and can continue getting high-end RB1 production from him. Number three, Jonathan Taylor. He gets a tough matchup versus Jacksonville in his hopeful return from a one-week absence this week. And looking back, something we probably should have considered about recommending Taylor as a top pick over Derrick Henry is that Indy's coaching staff is not close to as trustworthy as the Titans. Mike Vrabel, you know, will emphasize running the ball, while Frank Reich often seems like his offense doesn't have a real identity. But Taylor is arguably the best running back in the league. 
and the offensive line for the Colts showed some signs of promise on Thursday night against the Broncos. So hopefully they open holes for Taylor this week and beyond for him to recapture his elite RB1 status. And number four, Saquon Barkley. And again, these rankings can definitely be changed around some in the top five. Barkley has been a total monster for the Giants and the biggest reason they sit at four and one. There was a scare last week with his shoulder injury, but he returned to score the game winning touchdown against the Packers and reached 18.1 fantasy points despite the missed time. For week six, I think Barkley is our number one running back at home against the Ravens. Even in tough matchups, Barkley's someone that the Giants will continue to feed the ball to, both as a runner and receiver. So I really wouldn't argue against people ranking him as the overall top player if you were to redraft after five weeks. And the other good part about the Giants being at 4-1 and one is that they should be competitive for a playoff spot deep into the season. So there's no reason to believe Barkley will see his workload dramatically decrease as he looks to earn a long-term extension or a big contract elsewhere. Number five, Christian McCaffrey. His situation is basically the opposite of Barkley. The Panthers fired Matt Rule on Monday. So McCaffrey, who has been brought up as a trade candidate, but I don't think that'll happen based on the dead cap that Carolina will carry by moving him, might at least be in danger of seeing limited workloads to stay healthy in what's amounted to a lost season. Still, McCaffrey is capable of taking over a fantasy matchup whenever on the field, and interim head coach Steve Wilkes might not hesitate to feed him as he hopes to make a case to retain the job. So similar to quarterback with the defined top six, running back has a defined top five, in my opinion, and your fantasy team should be in good shape if you have one of those guys. Now I'll hit on various running backs for the rest of the rankings. At number six, I still have faith in Najee Harris based on his talent and the willingness of Pittsburgh to turn things around. The Buccaneers will be a very difficult matchup, but Najee is someone I'd be looking to acquire as a solid RB1 that might be had at an RB2 price based on the struggles. At number nine, Aaron Jones, and number 18, A.J. Dillon. Them not being featured against the Giants was a big reason for their loss, so I'd expect Matt LaFleur to make them a priority this week against the Jets, and Jones in particular, I think, can bust out for a monster game, both on the ground and through the air. And Dylan was a disappointment last week, but he's still a low-end RB2 with premium handcuff upside, if anything were to ever happen to Jones. And number 15, Damian Pierce. People scoffed at him as a potential difference maker for both this season and beyond because of his fourth-round draft capital, but that's a huge mistake. You should evaluate the player on an individual basis. Pierce never saw monster workloads at Florida and his intangibles made him an even better investment. The determination that Pierce runs with is extremely rare, and the Texans, with the AFC South being up for grabs, should continue to give him heavy workloads behind an offensive line that should only improve and is already playing at a high level. Number 20, another rookie, Ken Walker. As stated, Rashad Penny, done for the year with a broken leg, so Walker is a definite RB2 as Seattle's new starter. He's someone in our waiver wire article every week that's been mentioned as someone to invest in. So look for him to see 15 to 20 weekly touches 
with DJ Dallas mixing in on passing downs, but Walker has the skill set to catch passes out of the backfield, despite what some of the analytic people might say that probably didn't even watch him at Michigan State. Just realized a little bit off for the rankings for Pierce and A.J. Dillon. Pierce, I said 15, he should be 16. Dylan, I said 18, should be 19. But that's because I forgot to move Josh Jacobs up after last night. The Raiders are now 1-4, but the playoffs are still the expectation for them. Unless the season totally gets derailed, Jacobs should be a stud. And it's a shame that the action he saw in the Hall of Fame game, combined with a lot of mystery about the backfield in the summer, led to him being severely undervalued. But Jacobs is playing very hard as he looks for a new deal and should be a borderline RB1, RB2 the rest of the way. Number 26, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He was a definite sell high based on all the touchdowns he was scoring early in the season. He had another close one against the Raiders, but I'd still be selling high if Edwards-Hilaire is viewed as a high-end RB2 option. Jarek McKinnon has looked very good and is coming off his best game of the season, while Isaiah Pacheco has been talked up by Andy Reid and could become more of a factor as the season progresses. At number 32, and the case could be made for him a spot or two higher, Brian Robinson Jr. He led the backfield in carries in his career debut, and hopefully when John Dotson is back for the Commanders, it will lead to more favorable looks in the running game, and hopefully the shuffled offensive line will eventually gel to open more holes for the rookie. But I say based on talent a lot because that's the most important thing for both real life and fantasy football. And based on the talent, Robinson is someone that can be used as a weekly flex option and will hopefully get more goal line opportunities starting on Thursday night against the Bears. Some of the overlooked options maybe you should consider investing in at running back are Latavius Murray as the RB45, Trey Sermon as the RB48, and Kyron Williams as the RB58. For Murray, I mentioned him last week. He should be the number two running back behind Melvin Gordon, and one fumble by Gordon could lead to Murray even being the starter. So he's someone to stash on your bench. That's available in far too many leagues. For Sermon, he's almost certainly available. I think his ownership percentage is like 0.2, might even be zero. He didn't see any touches last week, but he looked good a couple of weeks ago. And I like the combination of talent, potential opportunity with Miles Sanders' history of injuries, and the offensive line of the Eagles being perhaps best in football. And Kyron Williams, the Rams have not gotten what they wanted out of the running backs. Williams was drafted this season, is tremendous in pass protection to help provide some security for Stafford, and can catch the ball very well out of the backfield. So especially in deeper leagues, Williams is someone that I would stash with a definite realistic shot of being the lead back for an offense that should eventually improve. At wide receiver, the top five is no surprise. I won't even cover them. But at number six, I still have A.J. Brown. He didn't catch a pass following the Eagles opening drive last week. But hopefully the increased involvement for Devontae Smith will soften things up for Brown in future weeks. Number nine, Chris Godwin. I thought he'd be a good candidate to find the end zone in one of the past two games. That didn't happen, but he still caught 13 of 16 targets and went for fantasy point totals of 9.4 and 9.3. So the high floor is there. 
and I'd still be ranking him as a wide receiver one option with the hopes of a big breakout this week in Pittsburgh. Number 10, Mike Williams. In three games with double-digit targets this season, he's going for lines of 10-113-1, and 13-134. You'd like more than the two scores through five games, but Williams has been productive to begin the year. And I think this week on Monday night against the Broncos is a spot where hopefully Keenan Allen is back to take some pressure off Williams and maybe reopen some of the downfield shots. That gives him such a high weekly ceiling. Number 16, Gabe Davis. He's up a couple of spots after Monster Day in Week 5. Now he'll face a Kansas City defense that he stung for four touchdowns in the playoffs. And the Chiefs are definitely vulnerable to downfield passes after what we saw Demonte Adams do on Monday. So Davis, who looks healthy after being hampered by an ankle injury early in the year, is back to being viewed as a high upside wide receiver two, catching passes from Josh Allen. And number 22, I maybe shouldn't be saying this because I could see people being angry enough that they immediately stop listening, but Allen Robinson, he again had a target near the end zone, but him and Stafford couldn't connect. Instead of bringing up the points I've made in previous weeks, another one to consider is an injury to Cooper Cup would likely vote Robinson into the wide receiver one ranks, or at least a top 15 option. The offense would change quite a bit without Cup, but Robinson can uncover underneath, and he'd turn into the primary read for Stafford. So while the standalone value right now has been a huge disappointment for Robinson, I'm still holding on with the hopes that eventually clicks with Stafford, and based on the upside if Cup were to ever miss time. Number 32, Romeo Dobbs. The game plan for the Packers last week wasn't great. I thought they'd establish the run with Jones and Dillon, which would in turn open up deep shots for Dobbs. And instead it was Rodgers turning to Randall Cobb as his target for much of the day. But the downfield upside and touchdown upside remain very high. And Dobbs is maybe a buy low target, if still not viewed as someone with wide receiver two potential. Number 41, George Pickens. He's shown a very strong connection with Kenny Pickett by going for 102 yards and 83 yards over the past two weeks. And Tony Romo said it best when when he advised everyone during Sunday's broadcast to get Pickens if he's available in your league. And that should include dynasty formats where Pickens is ranked as a wide receiver two option for us. I don't want to give too much away at wide receiver, but our complete rest of season rankings are released every Wednesday. So let's move on to tight end to finish off the episode. This week, we have moved Dallas Goddard ahead of both Darren Waller and Kyle Pitts at tight end. He was our preseason tight end five, was Goddard. But the hamstring injury for both guys, combined with their lack of production, puts Goddard behind Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews at tight end. Though I'd still be buying low on both Pitts and Waller if you need a tight end and are looking forward to the fantasy playoffs. And number eight, David Njoku. He's looked great in recent weeks since a slow start, and he's gone for at least 73 yards in each of the past three games. So Njoku is a definite tight end one that will, like Chubb, see his upside increase when Deshaun Watson is in the lineup for Cleveland. Right behind him at number nine, Taysom Hill, coming off a monster performance on Sunday. The production probably won't be topped, but it's unbelievable that his ownership on ESPN.com is barely into the double digits. 
the Saints expect to be in the playoffs this year, and they'll continue to feature Hill in order to manufacture offense, which puts him in the tight end one ranks for the rest of the season. Number 12, Dawson Knox. He's probably the top by low other than Waller or Pitts, as the touchdown should soon come catching passes from Josh Allen. So he's someone to try to acquire before a possible shootout between the Chiefs and Bills this week. And finally, jumping down to a couple of rookies, Isaiah Likely at tight end 27 and Greg Dulcich at tight end 30. For Likely, he's not been a great standalone option behind Mark Andrews, but he'll bring a ton of upside if Andrews were to ever go down. And for Dulcich, he has a clear path to the starting role in Denver whenever he's on the field to make his debut. And it wouldn't be a surprise to see him climb way up the rankings as a field stretcher down the scene for Russell Wilson. That again might be a piece that's missing from Denver's struggling offense. So that covers the rest of season rankings for week six. They release every Wednesday on WolfSports.com. And if you're a member, feel free to reach out with any questions you might have. With that, thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Dylan Chapin, and this was the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast.